0: This podcast is brought to you by Introduction to Democracy Studies, an undergraduate course at the Department of International Relations, Universitas de Mada. Wonderful. Good morning to this week's session on democracy from my side. And I would like to discuss a little bit with you today on the simple question of why Democracy. So, why should we opt if we can opt for different systems of rule? uh, We should opt for democracy. So, what are the reasons? And I want particularly, you know, I mean, I have a background in political philosophy also to look at questions of legitimacy and authority and to see what uh, smart people over the centuries have uh, been thinking and talking about uh, why. Uh, we have reasons in this regard to opt for democracy and not for other systems of rule. Uh, in turn we'll also look a little bit about uh, some of the arguments of why not or some of the issues that democracy might have in terms of legitimacy and authority. Uh, some of you already uh, took taken the nonviolence class last semester, so we already talked a bit about legitimate authority so some of the uh, things we will discuss here uh, might not be completely new, but I think it might uh, always be a good refresher to think about those issues in terms of uh, what they mean for democracy. Okay, thank you. Let's go to the next slide. So, the question related to authority, one of the core questions uh, related to authority, we say, uh, is if I am an autonomous being, if I'm a free human being, and uh, that's kind of the standard position that we take in terms of uh, what human beings are since the enlightenment. Uh, so if I'm a free person, an autonomous person, why should I obey somebody? Why should I obey the policeman that stops me on Jalan Kalirang and wants to see my driver's license? Why should I obey the tax office to uh, pay my annual taxes? Uh, Why should I obey uh, any rule or regulation or law uh, in a state if I don't think that might consider or might challenge that these uh, things are necessary or good or smart or whatever? So why? This clearly, disobedience, has something to do uh, with uh, the concept of authority. And there are different forms of authority. One of the main distinctions that I want to talk a little bit is between theoretical authority and normative authority. Uh, Theoretical authority is an authority that is based on the uh, knowledge on the power, uh, not, not on the power, not on the knowledge uh, of uh, a person. So if I go to see an expert and uh, the expert knows more about the thing than me, uh, then uh, this theoretical authority that the expert has gives me reason to believe. This expert can, for example, be a doctor. Yeah. So I have a cuff. And because the doctor has studied about medicines for many years, and I have not, I will go to him for advice, I will seek his advice, and he will give me reasons to believe. He might give me, uh, he might tell me that uh, to deal with my cough I need to rest or I need to kind of buy a certain amount of medicine and so on. But uh, that doesn't mean that I have to obey or follow his orders. I can still say, oh, I don't think the doctor is right, or I don't feel like taking bad rest, or I have important work to do so I cannot do it. So theoretical authority, it does not bind us, it does not uh, uh, push us to uh, obedience. Meanwhile, if we uh, distinguish it with like normative authority, normative authority uh, it gives us reason to act, particularly if it's, yeah, if it's morally legitimate authority, we have reasons to obey uh, this authority, and uh, we have, so we really have the duty to not interfere or not, and or not to obey, to obey the authority. Yeah, so if we are citizens in the state, uh, we are, and we think that the. Uh, Authority is morally legitimate. It's a legitimate authority, then we have reasons we should obey. or we are bound to obey all its orders. Okay there might be some, uh, some uh, reasons of why certain orders we might not obe- obey when it comes to civil disobedience. We'll talk about that later. but the general rule is that if I sign up to a morally legitimate authority, it binds me, to obey what that authority does. Then there's another term, uh, which is de facto authority. So uh, de facto authority is an authority that has the political power to coerce me, to make me do things, uh, but not necessarily much more. So imagine if there is an occupying power. So Indonesia is occupied uh, by the Japanese in the Second World War. Uh, Obviously the Japanese army and police has the power to uh, pressure you to work for the Japanese, for example, to produce arms for the Japanese war effort. But it doesn't mean that you see this authority as legitimate and you only obey this authority because it has the power to harm you. It can imprison you, it can arrest you, uh, it can um, kill you. Uh, So this is a good reason to obey, but uh, it's not a reason in the sense of... uh, uh, legitimate authority that binds us to obey good so but what then makes an authority legitimate uh, there are different discussions here and we can see it like from uh, two... Uh, different angles, there's a kind of descriptive angle which has been taken by the famous sociolo- sociologist um, Weber. Uh, he distinguishes between traditional, legal, rational, and charismatic authority. So these different kinds of uh, legitimacy. A traditional legitimacy comes from, uh, yeah, can be God given or can be because. You are the son of the king or the tribal leader and so on. So traditional authority is either inherited or given by like kind of uh, some um, other entity. So usually we have that in tribes, kingdoms, and so on. Um, So it's a form of traditional authority. Then there's legal rational authority, this is kind of what most countries and states have right now kind of uh, particular democracies. It is uh, authority based on the law, on constitutions, and on rational kind of uh, arrangements, institutional arrangements. So we are basically uh, the authority the state gets its legitimacy based on the set of institutions and the constitution and so on. And there's the third uh, kind of uh, legitimacy that can come out of charismatic leadership. So someone like Napoleon or uh, uh, Charles de Gaulle or whatever. So I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a dictator, but charismatic rule obviously easily can kind of uh, move towards uh, forms of dictatorships. And uh, obviously then there's problem like uh, with succession once the charismatic ruler uh, dies and so on. In terms of uh, morally legitimate uh, authority, obviously this might have different levels, yeah? so we might kind of not agree that traditional or charismatic leadership is really a legitimate authority in a sense of a normatively. Yeah? And this is the second, like kind of the more I think important discussion here, is uh, why do we believe that an authority is, has this normative authority. There again, number of uh, schools and discussions that have been taken uh, over time and uh, we can distinguish between kind of two main uh, groups of reasons that are given why we should consider an authority as legitimate. The first is to see uh, authority as legitimate because it acts as a provider of conflict resolution or arbitrator. Mm -hmm. This is uh, particularly prominent in the contract theories, just look at Hobbes, Rousseau, also Kant and so on. Here this idea is like, uh, you know, in the contract theory we have a state of nature first where there's kind of chaos because uh, everybody can kill each other. Uh, Then we decide like to form a contract that we have an agree to an authority and the authority kind of has the monopoly of force, and will take care that, uh, well, if there are disputes, if there are conflicts, uh, then the authority will take care of those. And in that sense, uh, we gain something there. We gain like kind of goods of social cooperation by following the legitimate authority. Um, so this is one. The other one is kind of. Uh, uh, we can argue or we can call the authorities a provider of reasons for action. We can get this argument from Plato or uh, also ras uh, quite more prominently lately. Uh, this school says that uh, authorities serve the citizens by authoritatively guiding them to follow the right reasons for action. Citizens then gain advantages by avoiding unnecessarily risks, limiting deliberative cost, overcoming weakness of will, and coordination coordinating their action. Russ calls his conception the service conception of authority. So what what is the, the reasoning behind that? So, In that sense, there are a lot of things that we have in society that we need uh, and should do uh, and that we have reasons to. Number one is kind of all kind of coordination problems yeah? from traffic rules, for example. So if everybody would make up their own traffic rules, we had chaos on the road. So if we have a state authority, the authority decides the rules. And so uh, we don't have to think about like, oh, do I drive left or right today? But the authority gives us reasons to do the right thing, to coordinate, for example. Or we have reasons also to care for those in society that are not that well off. In that sense, the authority uh, by taxing us and by distributing the money to those that are not that well off, the authority gives us, uh, lets us act on our reasons uh, that we anyway have. uh, But does so uh, for this right kind of reason. So it kind of provides us services that we cannot, on the one hand, not do ourselves, or that are uh, would be too time-consuming, too problematic, would lead to unnecessary risk, and so on. And in this regard, we should follow authority. It doesn't mean that all of the rules and regulations of the authorities are always going to be good and right. but. If on average, it is more often wrong than right, then Russ says, then we should follow that authority and can consider it a legitimate authority. Next. (laughs) Having looked at uh, these different uh, justifications for authority, again, uh, both the uh, service conception of authority and uh, this normative authorities arbitrator are not mutually exclusive. So a system, uh, we might uh, accept an authority as legitimate because it provides uh, both of these functions, Yeah, one more, one less, depending on what kind of authority it is. Uh, again, one thing we should not forget, uh, as Birch says, uh, we should still recognize that political authority, even Uh, if we regard it as legitimate is usually backed by the possibility of coercion, even in circumstances where the actual use of coercion is rare. Even in democracies, uh, the state will kind of use force if we do not obey the law. It has the right to do so. So uh, even if uh, authority is legitimate, it can enforce uh, its uh, orders if we do not follow them. Next. Before we then now discuss why we would think that in terms of uh, authority and legitimacy, uh, democracy uh, is the best kind of government, uh, let's first take a like more cynical view, I think many of you might have heard the quote already or be familiar with it uh, from uh, Winston Churchill uh, who argues that, yeah, uh, basically, uh, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other forms that have ever been tried uh, throughout history. Yeah, so I think uh, there is something to his point in this regard that uh, democracy is hardly, or at least democracy. Uh, the way we have it in any country around the world is hardly the ideal form of democracy. So there's something between an ideal we have of, a, of the, what democracy can be, and we have like democracies. Yeah? And uh, but still, uh, as Churchill says, even uh, in all its imperfections, uh, democracy is way better, or is still better than any other form of rule of government that we had historically around the world so let's in the next couple of slides look and think about why this could be so what what are these advantages that uh, democracy have why do we argue that democracy is doing better than other forms of uh, government next here we can distinguish between instrumentalists and non-instrumentalist reason. I will look at the instrumentalist reasons first. Uh, much of the argument follows John Stuart Mill, the famous philosopher. Uh, he argues that uh, we should uh, go for democracy because democracy has a couple of advantages. Number one, it leads to relatively good laws and policies compared to other forms of government. This has two reasons, one strategically, uh, because as people can vote in democracies, uh, it forces decision-makers to take into account the interests, rights, and opinions of most people in society. Uh, as compared to a dictatorship, for example, uh, where maybe uh, less so has to be done or a monarchy where maybe only the interests of the ruling family or an oligarchy where maybe only the interests of a ruling class are taken into account because uh, every citizen can vote in a democracy. Uh, there is more, There are more reasons for decision makers to take at least the opinion of most people into account. Of course we have majority rule so it's not going to be perfect in many instances, but uh, that's one reason. And the second uh, epistem- more epistemological reason is that uh, democracy brings a lot of people in the process of decision making. So it can take advantage of many sources of information, critical assessment of laws and policies. So if you think about like kind of lawmaking process, there might be consultations. So if you have a law now, for example, it might be input from not only ministries, from experts, from academics, uh, but also from labor unions, from NGOs, uh, from regional government, from local government, and so on, uh, business interests and so on. So idea is that uh, yeah, in democracy, we get more inputs into lawmaking and that on average might make laws and policies better than in other forms of rule. And then he gives a second, I think a very interesting reason that is not so much discussed, uh, usually when we talk about democracy is that actually democracy might improve the character of the citizens, of those who participate in democracy. Because uh, in a democracy uh, basically the people are the sovereign, Uh, we all have to participate in a democracy and are so encouraged to be more autonomous. So I mean, if you are in a monarchy and the king decides everything, or in dictatorship and the dictator and his lackeys decide everything, I don't have to think much about it, I just follow the orders. Uh, while in a democracy I have to think about, okay, which, at least uh, which party or which politicians do I vote for, uh, I have to think about like, uh, yeah, more carefully and rationally, yeah? so it comes already to the second point. I have to consider more uh, what is the good for me and myself and for the society. And thus democracy tends to enhance the moral qualities of its citizens, because they have to think more, they have to deliberate more, and so on. So this is one argument, of course we can uh, discuss if that is true, if that is true for all democracies, uh, but I think it's a very interesting reason. So let's look uh, at uh, some other reasons next. Having looked at the instrumental reasons, let's now look at the non instrumentalist reasons. Uh, We have three here, um, which are argued uh, first uh, is related to liberty. So we know that the basic principles of democracy are founded on the idea that each individual has a right to liberty and thus. We have a right to be yeah, autonomous to self-government and uh, if we allow that then it needs to uh, leads to a need for democracy obviously there are these problems uh, we'll discuss maybe a bit more later uh, of uh, a question of majority decisions so am I still autonomous if I have to follow majority decisions or does democracy should be based more on consensus in that regard if you want to really, keep a high regard for the liberty of people, but uh, that's a different question. But overall we know uh, liberty rights, uh, human rights in that regard, are important parts of democracy and thus democracy might guide uh, liberty, might give liberty more importance than other forms of, uh, of government. Then another non-instrumental reason is uh, democracy uh, provides like public justification. So uh, laws and policies in a democracy are legitimate to the extent that they are publicly justified to the citizens of the community. So if I'm a king, I can just say, oh, uh, every Wednesday now is a public holiday, and on every Thursday we sing for seven hours, uh, and it's very little, there we have very little power to kind of challenge these decisions, uh, or he doesn't have to give any reasons why he does this thesis. Meanwhile, in a democracy, the idea is that uh, we would get more justification through the democratic process, uh, through our inputs as citizens in the lawmaking and policy making process. Uh, basically, we argue, there's this argument, and we provide each other with acceptable reasons for why things are done in a certain way, which does not happen that much in other forms of government. Next. The third, I think one of the uh, also important reasons for why democracy might be the most legitimate uh, form of governance is uh, because uh, of equality. Uh, Democracy treats uh, persons as equal and uh, given that we might want different things in a society, we might have different talents, we might have different wants, we might have different needs. We might disagree about a lot of many things, which is the best uh, um, way to tax people, which is the best uh, religion, which is the best way of organizing an education system, uh, what is important in life, but uh, it allows us to come up with uh, decisions even if we agree about a good many things, and in this deliberation process, ideally, uh, in a democracy all persons are treated as equals. And uh, obviously also the idea is that in a democracy the laws and so on uh, policies treat everyone also equally, so like kind of we are both equally uh, involved in the process but also treated equally under the law in a democracy. And so, yeah, democracy kind of tends also to kind of create more equality than other or take equality as a more important value as other forms. Next. Let me sum up a bit uh, the discussion that we had so far. So why uh, we should pick democracy? Why is democracy, probably more legitimate in terms of authority than other forms of government, uh, because as we have already discussed, uh, the instrumental and non-instrumental reasons, democracy might be seen as more legitimate by its subjects than other forms of governance. Yeah, we can think here again, go back to um, the reasons of uh, government or um, authority as arbitrator. Or authority as kind of a service conception, a democracy might be both. So it might be better in resolving conflicts uh, nonviolently violently and it might be better in terms of providing services, and in addition to, um, yeah, leading, uh, fostering equality, fostering liberty, pro- giving us better laws and policies, and making us, yeah, better citizens. Yeah, uh, because democracy might be more legitimate than other forms of government, uh, it needs uh, to use less coercion than other regimes. We could argue, yeah, I mean, uh, okay, while well, democratic uh, regimes might, uh, of course, use coercion, but because more people will find such a regime as uh, uh, legitimate, then it might need to do use less coercion in terms of uh, than other regimes because we have less reasons to kind of uh, not follow its orders. And also um, yeah, its legitimacy is not based on coercion as much as other regimes uh, might be. Then uh, well, also uh, we might uh, favor democracy because the authority of a government in a democracy is limited by a constitution or laws and, and other laws. Uh, and based on the canon of rights. So it it might be the form of governments that allows us to be the most autonomous as citizens compared to other forms of governance by uh, limiting also what actually the state is allowed to do and how much it can uh, limit our rights as citizens. Then in a democracy, we usually have uh, forms of legitimate pathways to challenge bad decisions and to reverse divisions. It might be via, uh, of course, elections, uh, changes in majority, but also uh, through ways of kind of freedom of expression, discussion, protest, and so on, which might be more difficult also in other political uh, systems. And uh, as we already argued, democracy has the potential to make us better, more engaged, more rational, Uh, citizens, when we really engage with the democratic process and by engaging with the democratic process. So overall, uh, I think we find quite a number of uh, good reasons of why uh, we should favor democracy over all other forms of uh, government. Next, Of course, uh, philosophers have not only argued about the reasons for democracy, but also uh, why democracy is bad. Um, just to quote two prominent examples here, Plato and Hobbes. Plato argues that in a democracy those who are experts at winning elections and nothing else will eventually dominate democratic politics. So there will be a basically class or case of politicians, political operatives uh, that uh, will kind of use The democratic process and subvert it uh, for their own interests. And uh, Hobbes, uh, not as similar, but also an argument that is related to kind of voting. Uh, He argues that the role of a single person is too small to make a difference in a democracy, so most people zoom out of politics and are easily manipulated by politicians. So it's kind of, yeah. Uh, well, we might be able to contribute. Our contribution might be too little, so I might not be really into, we might not really be interested in kind of following politics too closely. And in the end, that makes us easily manipulated. I think both are valid crit- criticisms, particularly of uh, democracies that follow uh, majority rules. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll I think throughout the process, uh, discuss definitely more about some of the problems of that next. So let's follow up with uh, already having discussed some problems now, uh, and already come to question of majority rule. Yeah, one uh, aspect of many democracies is problematic uh, in terms of authority and philosophically is uh, yeah, majority rule because uh, it is uh, obviously clashing with some values in terms of equality. And uh, liberty. And this particular in cases of where we see like uh, what we call the tyranny of majority, and or where we have persistent minorities, yeah? so cases where the majority just does not take too much interest in what the minority thinks, and uh, where minorities always are part of the majority, uh, the minor are the minority, so never. Or very rarely have the chance to decide something in a democracy. There, obviously, a democracy, a democratic regime might be seen as uh, less legitimate or illegitimate by those people who are in the minority, which is uh, obviously a problem. Yeah? Then of, we have, uh, based not only on this, but there's a whole range of question of uh, when are we then justified? So, if democracy, if you're part of the deliberation process, at least as voters uh, living in a democratic regime, we have rights. Um, when uh, are we allowed? Are we allowed at all in a democracy to kind of uh, disobey the laws? Because I mean, if we accept the authority as legitimate, then uh, are we even allowed to obey authority in a democracy? When are we allowed to? Uh, proceed with civil or political disobedience in democracy. Of course, there's a long of course, uh, discussion about this and many viewpoints. I don't want to go too much in the details here, but I think it's a question we should keep in mind uh, when also discussing democracy. Uh, Birch uh, in his book argues that there are three reasons why people would reject the political authority uh, could be the objection to the composition and boundaries of the political community. So uh, as many of you also take the ethnic conflict course, I mean this is kind of uh, one prime example if there are different ethnic groups in a, in a state and some are the minority and uh, they would want their own state, for example, because they feel they are mostly overruled by the majority. This could be one of the reasons here. Or could be objection to the constitutional arrangement within the community, maybe we want more direct democracy or uh, more minority protections and so on. So there could be uh, questions about the authority because of how it is arranged. And then there might be objection to specific policies pursued, laws or policies pursued to the government, where mainly often we have the choice to kind of engage in civil uh, disobedience. While uh, the f- first two options might lead more to political disobedience. But yeah, uh, just to be aware I think here uh, of uh, some of the issues that we might face also in democracies in terms of kind of when uh, can we and should we oppose the authority and what uh, do we do with kind of uh, uh, cases where uh, we have tyranny of the majority or persistent minorities. These might make uh, the Question, might make people question the legitimacy of the authority of a democratic uh, polity. Next, one other challenge to kind of why should democracy be the best form of governance has been come from the uh, political left, uh, from the socialist direction, uh, where uh, and of course the observation is quite right that there is uh, some connection between uh, liberal democratic states and capitalism. Most early democracies have developed in uh, states that then also have uh, taken on uh, capitalism as the economic system, and then the question is how intertwined actually are liberal democratic state and capitalism. So can there be, I mean we know probably from China, that there can be capitalism without democracy, but can there be actually democracy without capitalism? Uh, and uh, how do they go together? And uh, look at uh, some of the thinkers here um, one of by Habermas and Offi, uh, who argued that, uh, well, uh, That basically, the democratic system in Western democracy has had a legitimizing function for capitalism. So, by providing social safety net, by providing like unemployment insurance, health insurance, pension insurance, and so on. So, what you see like in many Western European countries, particularly, uh, basically, um, the Capitalist state has kind of bought off the workers uh, in uh, the democratic uh, through kind of uh, democratic means, and uh, but they found like that in the late 1970s, early 1980s, beginning from the oil crisis, basically uh, this whole system of legitimation has begun to break down, and I think this is a valid observation. I mean, if you look now at uh, many countries, we have kind of a crisis of democracy in many things, uh, rise of right-wing, a rise of authoritarianism, and much of this has to do that a part of the working class has kind of moved, uh, has been moved towards uh, right-wing parties, uh, xenophobic policies and so on, uh, because uh, neoliberalism has minimized, has attacked this welfare state and uh, has uh, created more uncertainty for uh, people, particularly lesser well-off people, in uh, capitalist countries. And so it's interesting to follow uh, the thing, so maybe we can argue that uh, yeah, uh, democratic systems have lost some of their legitimacy because they cannot provide that well or have not provided that well anymore in terms of a welfare state for many of the working class and lower classes in society. Another argument there also to bring Uh, why kind of uh, modern democracies are uh, often capitalist is that there is uh, the Gramscian argument of uh, there's an ideological hegemony uh, of the capitalist class uh, when it comes to defining what is a good life, uh, that uh, we should all work hard, that the poor are to blame for themselves for the misery and it's not systemic or structural poverty and and, uh, destitution and yeah that uh, it's important to be uh, successful as an individual and so on. So there's a range of values that are propagated uh, by capitalism and by the leading classes in capitalism that make people believe that capitalism is the only and best system and capitalism and liberal democracy go together. Uh, I think it's also an interesting discussion to be had and hopefully we can have more This discussion also in how far we can think of a liberal democratic state without capitalism um, and uh, how these two go together. Yeah, that's basically me for today. Um, Yeah, sorry, a very brief introduction, a lot of things packed into that, uh, but yeah, I think we'll have time and uh, space like for your questions um, later in this session and I'm happy to discuss these things more with you over the semester. Thank you for your attention and uh...